here, kid. You gotta just go for it. Don't think about what comes after or what came before. You just gotta bend your knees, take a deep breath, and jump. This is Venture Pill, your weekly dose of startups and venture capital. We break down recent startups in the news and interview founders and investors to help you stay informed in the evolving world of venture. On this week's Dose, we have the honor of hosting David Beasley, managing partner of Purple Arch Ventures, which is one of the largest alumni ventures funds focused on Northwestern University alumni and friends of the community. David, it's truly an honor. How's it going? It's going great. And had I known I was going to be on camera, I actually would have combed my hair for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) You look dynamite. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Appreciate it. All right. So first things first, talk us through your early career right after graduating from Northwestern University. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I am actually a two-time Wildcat, both journalism degrees, and caught the entrepreneurial bug coming out of Medill's Magazine Publishing Master's Program. From there, I built a financial newsletter targeting high net worth investors and financial services professionals, teaching and advising them how to invest in alternative investment strategies, including venture capital. I ran that business for almost two years and successfully exited. That was my foray into the world of finance and entrepreneurship. But obviously, my heart navigated to the dark side. I love the finance side of the business. After my startup, I spent a couple years managing money professionally, then created my own firm in 2002. We launched as an independent sponsor, but quickly evolved into boutique merchant bank. We had three practice areas, lower middle market M&A, private placements, and venture. But by the end of 2016, the only thing I was having any fun doing was investing in venture stage businesses and trying to leverage my own social capital and intellectual capital to advance the initiatives of those companies we invested in to effectuate positive outcomes for me and all the syndicate investors who invested alongside of me. Awesome. And and what drew you to alumni ventures specifically? Opportunistically, for both of us, I think, it was at the end of 2016 when this scrappy startup just outside of Boston came calling on me, touting this franchising model for alumni venture investing. I, I got to admit, I was really skeptical at first, especially since I was managing a lot more money than they were. So I had my analysts at the time look back at 25 years of venture deals, focused on the top 500 deals being done each annual cycle. What he found quickly convinced me that this wasn't a good idea. It was actually a great idea. Methodology is important here, so excuse me for getting into the weeds for just a moment. We looked at the top 50 firms, including Benchmark, Sequoia, NEA, Kleiner, Andreessen, Google, Benrock, Bessemer, Excel, Lightspeed, et cetera. And specifically looked at deals that more than one of these top firms invested in. Through that overlap, a pattern emerged. 98.5% of the time, let me repeat that number since it is statistically significant. 98.5% of the time, we found a founder, executive, board member, angel investor, or the lead partner in the venture firm leading the round of financing attended one of our Uh, alumni venture schools. Pretty remarkable. Uh, That's when I knew alumni ventures wasn't a good idea. It was a great idea. And I jumped in with both feet. 
Uh, fast forward to today, Purple Arch now has raised its sixth fund at the most opportune time since I started being a venture firm with Dry Powder. We're currently the largest fund at Alumni Ventures. Uh, we have a significant amount of the AUM, including syndication dollars, which are uh, individual deals our LPs get to invest in alongside our funds. Awesome. And is there a specific investment thesis for Purple Arch and Alumni Ventures? And what kind of deals do you personally like? Yeah, th thanks for asking. There, there is actually. Uh, our focus and our thesis revolves generally around investing in the future economy. We are deliberately diversified across stage, industry, geography, and lead investor. But that might be a little, little bit too broad, so let me actually be more specific without giving away any of our trade secrets. In general, we, we like companies solving hard problems. If they're successful, they can build value for all the stakeholders, including the investors, if we're lucky enough to get into those opportunities. We also like category creators, defining a net new problem and creating a net new solution. With existing categories, the economics have already been established. And even if you build a better solution, the price has already been set. With a new category, those economics haven't been established and setting the price becomes the driver. Don't, don't get me wrong though, guys. I, I like disruption too. Definitely a buzzword <laughs> in our industry, especially if there's non-consensus, meaning the price hasn't been bid up yet. If everyone agrees it's a good idea, valuations get inflated, and there's probably already a competitor in the space capturing market share. The trick is to find those deals before all that happens. Airbnb, for me, is a great example. Most thought no one would let strangers stay in their home, no matter what they were willing to pay. But VRBO, uh, HomeAway, and Airbnb proved those naysayers wrong, and they were really the quintessential examples of the sharing economy which brings up another great point about deals that I like. Bill Gross, the legendary founder of the startup studio Idea Lab in California, did an extensive study and determined that timing was the number one driver of a startup's success. Don't be too early. Launch in that uh, Goldilocks zone and hit the market when it's ready to receive your value proposition. For Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, and others, they launched when the economy was struggling. Sharing your excess and turning it into spendable dollars seemed like a great idea at the right time, and we will certainly see opportunities like this emerge from this downturn as well. Personally, I also have an affinity for marketplaces. Uh, I was an early investor and operator in a marketplace business and learned a lot of valuable lessons from that experience. To build a successful marketplace, especially a two-sided one, at least one side of that equation needs demand that is beating a path to your door. Creating demand and selling both sides becomes difficult and incredibly expensive. But if you get it right, I love the business model of aggregating buyers and sellers, especially in old antiquated business like chemicals, durable medical equipment and heavy machinery replacement parts, but also in really new asset classes like cryptocurrencies. And despite current market conditions, which I know are horrifically bad, <laughs> Coinbase is still probably the best recent example of how a marketplace can work successfully. And finally, and sorry to be long-winded here, I like entrepreneurial teams that have <laughs> customer acquisition as part of their core DNA. I believe that com companies 
that have an unfair advantage in acquiring and retaining customers will produce outsized returns. It's this maniacal focus, deep appreciation for process and exceptional talent that makes them stand out for me. And sorry if that seems obvious to some of your audience members, but it was something that I had to learn uh, just through the process of becoming a VC. Yeah, no, well said, David, and thank you for sharing. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the network portion of network-powered venture capital and why has Alumni Ventures specifically done so well in, in a relatively short period of time? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, Brandon. And apologize in advance if this sounds like a complete commercial for Alumni Ventures, which is a firm <laughs> I'm very proud of. But you asked, and I will tell you from my perspective. So part of our North Star and at its core, Alumni Ventures has made venture investing accessible to accredited investors. By leveraging tight community connections from alumni at top universities, we access great deals, which helps us assemble diversified portfolios, investing in 25 to 30 early growth and late stage companies per fund. In less than seven years, we've become the most active venture capital firm on the planet. We are raising and deploying hundreds of millions of dollars per year, investing in 400 plus companies. And, and Brandon and Sam, you're close enough to this organization to know that's just the beginning. Our key competitive advantage, which you hinted at, is the 650,000 members and growing of our community, 35,000 of whom bleed purple like me, who can help drive positive outcomes for those portfolio companies. With this actively engaged group derived from our alma maters, we're likely one LinkedIn connection away from anyone our founders may want to meet. Alumni Ventures is truly network-powered VC at its best, creating a virtuous circle of value. So we're building something great here, and we would love anyone and everyone who hears our message today to be part of our story in some way, either as an investor, a deal finder slash scout, an advisor, a fellow, even an engaged community member, who we can activate to help our portfolio companies succeed. Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to be a fellow myself and a friend of the community. It's, it's been awesome. Can you tell us, David, a little bit more about what differentiates alumni ventures from other VC funds out there? Yeah, I mean, in addition to where our capital comes from, right? No pensions, no endowments, all individual accredited investors. I would say one of the fun things I get to do every day is collaborate with really smart people. In addition to the other members of my team, uh, my investment committee, my community managers, which you're a part of, Brandon, <laughs> my other colleagues running each of the other 17 alumni funds are all investing from the same playbook that we are. We all have the same golden rules of investing. That puts 50 other investment professionals in the field uncovering incredible opportunities we get to invest in as Purple Arch. Almost a third of our portfolio will be deals sourced from the best of what we see from our sibling funds. So for a real world example, uh, we just co-invested uh, in a deal with Blue Ivy, our fund for Yale alums. It's in the battery recycling space, an investment theme we, we had been researching for some time. 
They found a great team with great tech in a massive market. And that's just one example of a high quality deal that's being shared every single day at Alumni Ventures. And so with the proliferation of funding options from entrepreneurs, what's your pitch as to why venture capital funding is a value add funding option for founders? So to be clear on our model, we don't lead deals, set market terms, or take board seats. Alumni Ventures operates exclusively as a co-investor. So I will address your question from two angles. The, the value we created AV and the value a lead VC should create beyond their check size. And, and actually, let's start there. Andreessen Horowitz A16Z is probably the premier VC on the planet right now. Uh, even after giving a Adam Newman $350 million for his new venture, <laughs> I, I still have some respect for them. They have roughly 500 employees. Only 20% of them are there to find deals. The other 400 are there to help those companies be successful. Every VC needs to adopt this model of capital second, value add first. Capital is always the fungible component. Second, lead investors almost always take a board seat. Founders need to see their board as their second leadership team and inspire them to remain a working board versus a reporting board or a lame duck board that does nothing. As a working board, accountability matters. And the best boards can back out the lens. They can see the forest for the trees. Most founders are too close to their businesses and focused on day-to-day -day critical management tasks as they should. The board isn't. The board can drive intellectually honest discussions and debate. And as for co-investors and strategics like us, we earn our allocation by punching above our weight on activities that matter like revenue producing customer introductions, filling in HR gaps as those companies are scaling. In other words, founders should empower their VC partners to pay them to become a business development and recruiting arm for their business. Not sure other creative forms of finance can accelerate positive outcomes in the same way. Yeah, it's an incredible approach. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, one of the themes that is going around is that VC funding will be much slower moving forward than it has been in recent memory. Do you agree? Why or why not? In the later rounds, Sam, yes, for sure. You, you have hedge funds like KOTU and Tiger Global pulling back on VC and PE in general because they can find incredible opportunities in the public markets, which are far more liquid than venture stage deals. You also see corporate VCs pulling back as well, since this was a nice to have versus need to have for their businesses yeah. investing off their balance sheet. When profits shrink, it becomes a lot harder to invest from your balance sheet. But we are still seeing robust investing in early stages. But even those rounds and valuations are being squeezed down, which is ultimately good for us, buying low and hopefully selling high in the future. Or to quote the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. Wise words for sure. And we're heeding them as we and Alumni Ventures are staying in market with our dollars we are just being a lot more discerning. Uh, if we don't absolutely love the deal and valuation, we're passing. Great. And Brandon and I often talk about the need for VCs to utilize 
more operator expertise to help increase the likelihood that their investments will provide ROI. What do you think of the need for operators in venture capital? And do you think there will be more operator created VC groups in the future? I actually think there's several attributes that make a great VC. If I can turn the question just a little bit. Alumni Ventures has a number of former operators at the firm, including myself, and that certainly helps connect with founders, most of whom are open to coaching and who better to coach young founders than former operators. Former operators are also really empathetic to the difficult and critical decisions being made every day by our founders. This empathy is crucial to building a trusting relationship with them. In addition to being a former operator, though, I think there are other necessary qualities needed to be a great VC. I think having an easy but diligent underwriting process helps. No founder wants to be scrutinized incessantly. They want to you know, complete their fundraise and move on to the business of running their company. Purple Arch and AV certainly thrive in that easy process. A few other things that make a great VC are, in, in my opinion, supportive market conditions, of course, thoughtful portfolio planning, a defined thesis, and not accepting the status quo, which is a direct reflection of us since we're disrupting a business that invests in disruption. But for me personally and my own growth to become a great VC, I also try to be a student of industries and markets and try to recognize things moving in and out of favor. What our limited partners or investors should look for in our team specifically is strong investment experience, startup operating experience, as you mentioned, as well as a compelling investment strategy and a certain amount of diversification. Investors and founders get all of that with Purple Arch Ventures and AV in general. Always great to hear the former operator operator and you coming out a little bit, poking its head out. <laughs> uh, David, is there anything else that you would like to share about your career, Purple Arch Ventures or alumni ventures in, at large? Yeah, thanks for asking, Brand. And at this point, for me, it's about impact. Let me clarify that and give it some context. Uh, after being a part of a successful investment exit back in 2015, it was time for me to start giving back to the alma mater that had given me so much. At that point, a few years ago, I joined the Newvention Advisory Board to help Northwestern University advance its experiential learning entrepreneurial curriculum. I also began helping Kellogg in the Farley Entrepreneurial Center initiatives, as well as the Garage, which is our on-campus student startup incubator, mentoring students, judging pitch competitions, teaching about venture, you know, making sure I touched campus at least once per month, but it wasn't enough for me. Then in 2016, I went to a few of our trustees and tried to resurrect the Wildcat Angels. I had, I had a vision for a fund and a dedicated angel group that would invest in alum-led companies. This might sound a little familiar and, and, and <laughs> certainly similar to our model, but I couldn't gain any traction with the university despite what I knew and conveyed to them about pent-up demand. So I tabled my ambition until the opportunity for Purple Arch landed in my lap. As I investigated uh, alumni ventures, it seemed like the perfect platform for me to advance my personal initiatives. 
and my desire to give back. So I coined the phrase with purpose, but for profit uh, for our fund. I think what we're doing at Alumni Ventures can have an immense impact on the universities as a whole. I think what we're seeing is that successful entrepreneurs are becoming the new rock stars. They're certainly influential in business. I, I don't think anyone denies that, but also culture. So as we continue to invest in alum-led companies and highlight their successes, I hope we become a beacon for not just more investment dollars in us, but for more donations to these schools as a whole. The same way donations increase when a basketball team plays in the tournament or a football yeah. team goes to a, a bowl game, right? Our entrepreneurs are a more relevant reflection of how great our universities are. And in my personal experience, the pride and affinity I feel when I read about alums changing the world one company at a time is a mission I want to be a part of for as long as I can. In the case of Purple Arch, our capital can be that catalyst. Taking a small part in helping create a successful entrepreneurial ecosystem, boost the status of all of us who attended, and hopefully inspires future alums who have that same affinity and want to give back and pay it forward. That's the mission of Alumni Ventures and Purple Arch. You know, we want to deploy billions over the next 10 years into thousands of alum-led startups, and I hope whoever listens to this wants to join us. Yeah, I'm sure they will. And David, we have three final questions for you. The first is, if you could give a younger person career advice to break into venture capital, what would it be? Very quickly, because I know we're running out of time. I'm a long-winded guy at times. Uh, number one, take every meeting, build your network. It's not just who you know, but who knows you. Two, join our Venture Fellow and Venture Analyst Program. Great practical experience, especially for underrepresented uh, folks in the venture realm. Three, work in a startup at some point. See how hard it is. Develop empathy for those <laughs> folks that are building great companies. Uh, four, become an angel investor and advisor. You can do it with, honestly, just a few thousand dollars in some of your time. Five, get smart on new things every day meaning consume books, blogs, podcasts, make it your mission to gain practical knowledge every waking day. Six, become a scout for a VC firm. And if you're looking for one, we're always looking for great deal flow. So for, uh, for real, reach out to us and, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Seven, this one's a little self-serving. It's read my white paper, Redefining VC. It's kind of a VC 101 in a two-part series. And last but certainly not least, become an expert in something. Have a domain passion, but be flexible enough to join firms as an expert generalist. Yeah, thank you, David. And that, that white paper is truly a great read. Um, appreciate you listing out some great advice there. Next question, and this one's a little bit personal, so our audience can get to know you just a little bit better. Uh, what do you, David Beasley, like to do in your spare time? I think I'm going to be non-original with the first part uh, because like everyone else, I love to travel. I love to see new places. I love to read. Uh, I'm certainly a lifelong learner, but what I actually love to do in my spare time, Brandon, is write. I'm an aspiring novelist. I have four books at various levels of completion and one sort of autobiographical, motivational, self-help 
self-indulgent, <laughs> I would say, uh, <laughs> that, that I'm working on in my free time. The working title on that book is Front of the Plane, Back of the Car, Top of the Building. And let me explain this title, which is a reference to a speech one of my wealthiest and exceptionally brilliant former clients once gave me about measuring success. After 20 minutes of talking about material success, he laughed it all off and said, just kidding. Your legacy won't live on in material things. It will live on in friends, family, and colleagues who you've touched positively. He was a great motivator for me. But knowing how to think and approach things it isn't enough. You have to put those thoughts and frameworks to action. And that is actually what the book is about, the application of positive thinking. Awesome. Looking forward to uh, checking those out when they get published. Uh, I'll get you a free copy, question. Sam. Okay. I expect <laughs> I'll even autograph it. Less. <laughs> uh, last question for you, David. Tell us about a favorite quote or a book that you've read uh, lately. I think this dovetails nicely on what I just mentioned. I, I actually live by a mantra that came to me by way of my exposure to athletics. It was given to me by Steve Musso, a former coach, really a mentor and a motivational speaker. Here are his wise words. You move towards and become like that which you think about most. I wake up every day thinking about success, not only for myself and the fun, but for my partners at Alumni Ventures as a whole. His main point in those words were that if your actions do not follow your thoughts, you will drive yourself crazy. So I always ask myself, what can we do to advance the business today and every single day hereafter? That could mean finding a deal, a dollar, or just a new and improved way to tactically execute a business process. If we wake up every day with those goals, we're destined for success. And with that, Brandon and Sam, thank you again for having me. This was a lot of fun. And for everyone interested in learning more about Purple Arch and Alumni Ventures specifically, they should go to av.vc. And to reach me, they can connect on LinkedIn or email me directly at dbeasley at av.vc. Beasley is with a Z. Thank you, guys. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another dose of startups and venture capital. And as always, we appreciate our pilgrims spreading the word about the show. Share with your friends and help someone else make the pilgrimage. See you next time. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little low-key, okie-dokie, that's alright, but wait, I don't know how to do things, dude.